Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. Are you struggling to find meaning and purpose in your life? Could you use some help? If so, you'll want to hear what our guest on this episode, Matthew Immersion, has to say. Matthew is the founder and CEO of Every Monday Matters, a not-for-profit organization committed to helping people and organizations understand how much and why they matter. He's also the author of the new book, You Matter, Learning to Love Who You Really Are. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to talk with you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Your own incredible story inspired You Matter. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting story, but I don't know. I don't know that it's so, you know, atypical. That's for sure. I, I think that you know, I went to college, I went to grad school, I I checked the boxes I thought I was supposed to check, and and life was just supposed to kind of roll out in front of me. And um, I ended up getting into the music industry after grad school, and. I got a job, um, started in artist management, and then I got a job working for Robert Kardashian. And he, he owned a music marketing company. I was a senior vice president. And I was just kind of living this life of, it was fast-paced. It was, you know, I was working in the biz. And uh, it was, you know, working all day during the day, celebrities all over the place, and dinners at night, uh, parties after dinners, after parties, and Next thing you knew it, I found myself on this, you know, slippery slope of to be successful, as I defined it back then, was make as much money as you can, um, be on all the red carpets, uh, own nice things, stay single and have fun. And it was just all of that kind of entourage television show life. And on a Monday morning, uh, when I went to get ready to go to work, um, I thought, well, I thought it was having a heart attack, but it turned out to be a very severe panic attack, which turned into chronic anxiety and depression. And from that Monday forward, my life would never be the same again. How so? Tell us what that journey was about from that Monday morning on. Well, it's a long journey. You know, I, I tell people that I think for, for most of my life, you know, if you put if you put like joy or happiness, you know, on on the far left side of the scale and you put like outright despair on the other side of the scale. Um, you know, I lived my life on the 70% part of that scale that wasn't near the bad part. Yeah, yes, I've had bad days. I've I've lost family members and I've had my heart broken and I've had to put my pets to sleep and all these things that are super painful, but I never knew what it was like to be helpless and hopeless and to, you know, have suicidal thoughts even uh, until I experienced what I experienced following that Monday. And it just changed everything about me. It changed what, how I understand what it means to be human. It, it showed me 
that there's a lot more to this than I thought there was. And um, it made me more uh, uh, empathetic and compassionate for the world around me and for people around me. And, and also it taught me one of the greatest lessons that I've ever learned from my my therapist, uh, who I call my expensive friend. Um, <laughs> she, she taught me to what it means to live a life that's not about me. And that concept just revolutionized my life and became the inspiration for every matters in my books and everything that I do now. I love how you say, when I say that my breakdown has changed my life for the better, what I really mean is that it has changed how I interact with people. And I'm wondering what exactly you mean by that. Do you mean that you've become a more empathetic person or how has it changed you? Oh, absolutely. You know, I've always been somebody who, I'm a people person. I love people. You know, the thought of being alone by myself on a deserted island is like the most painful thing I could ever imagine. So. I've always enjoyed people, but I don't know that I've ever, besides the story that we see on the outside and, and the information that we think we know about each other on the outside, which is largely just what people share with us, I never really thought about what might be going on on the inside and behind what I'm seeing. And now I realize that at any given moment, I guess in some ways I used to judge people who talked about, you know, for example, committing suicide. Like, well, how in the heck did you think about doing something like that? Like, that's crazy to me until I actually had that thought. And I realized that, in, and on paper, my life looked incredible. And so anyone is, you know, no one's immune to this mental health stuff. And so I'm sensitive to it. So if I'm in the elevator with you, I'm going to say hi. And how are you? How's your day? Oh, I like your jacket. Uh, I'm just, and I just want to be that moment for people, whether it's three seconds or whether it's an hour long lunch or whatever. I just want to be that moment for people where they actually feel seen and, and they feel like they matter because someone took the time to connect with them because I don't truly know everything that's going on, you know, behind what I'm seeing. How did you start Every Monday Matters? And tell us more about what it is. So Every Monday Matters started as a book. And so when my therapist, Denise, was talking to me about this idea of living a life that wasn't about me, which was pretty foreign, given I was a senior executive in the music industry, the most narcissist industry in the world. And when she said, I want to teach what it means to live a life that's not about you, the way she taught me that was that every Saturday I had to go do something that wasn't about me. So go pick up litter, go feed homeless people, go paint over graffiti, go read the elderly, et cetera. And this weekly dose of doing something that's not about me is what honestly changed my life. And one day I was out picking up litter in Los Angeles and I just noticed like how peaceful I felt inside and that this is what she meant by that. So that was the inspiration for my first book that I wrote 11 years ago, which was simply 52 things that people can do throughout the year to make the world a better place to serve themselves, to serve other people. It was, you know, I, I joked that it was like a toilet book or a tabletop book. Like <laughs> you, you read it one Monday at a time, you know, mm-hmm. in that big picture. It was really complicated. That book then became the inspiration for the organization because so many people bought the book and they were emailing me and they were asking me for more. Hey, Mac, you have school curriculum. Hey, Mac, can you help our company you know, create a better culture? And so all of a sudden, all these kind of requests come in. 
And I realized that this book was something more. And so I decided to walk away from my 10-year career in the music industry to try to see where this would all go. And the first place that went really was um, into the education space. So we created a school curriculum that ended up going into 42 states across the country in, in three years, uh, helping our youth understand this idea of self and social responsibility. And also now I had a team, uh, we had office space, we were selling programs. And then again, the companies came in and they wanted corporate engagement. So we started selling corporate engagement. And so five years later, after the book came out, I had a small uh, for-profit company. We were doing a couple million dollars a year in sales. Um, and then I was asked to go speak to a group of convicted felons in Northern California. And a judge was using my book with these uh, convicts and asked if I would come meet them and speak to them, which I, I did. And, you know, in walked in a room full of, you know, convicted felons in handcuffs and ankle chains and waist chains and prison jumpsuits, and which I'd never seen before in real life, which was really tough to stomach. And, and she's like, okay, everybody, here's Matt. He wrote the book. So, Matt, why don't you go ahead and share? And I just didn't know what to say, but I just wanted to let them all know that they still mattered, even though they made mistakes. And maybe they're just part of a mistake or, or several mistakes that came before them. And they were just born into you know, a tough place. And so I told them that they mattered. And at the end of it, uh, she let me give them all these You Matter wristbands that we have. And so I put them on like 80 sets of handcuffed wrists. And at the end of that, one of the convicted felons, he said, you know, um, no one's ever told me that I mattered my entire life. That's why I ended up where I am today. And he just started bawling on my shoulder. And it was in that moment that I realized even though Every Monday Matters was doing great things in the world, it still wasn't right. Because, number one, I, I wasn't focused on the right thing. And number two, it was a for-profit company. And if my intention was to truly create a world where everybody knows how much and why they matter, I didn't want greed to be a part of any of that conversation. So five years ago, I converted the company to a nonprofit organization. And so today, I don't own it anymore. I work for the organization. You know, we have a board, et cetera. And again, our mission is to create a world where everyone knows how much they matter. And, you know, we launched a new school curriculum five years ago. We now serve over 2 million students nationwide and in six other countries. Our corporate program is on fire, helping companies create better work cultures because we know they need it and they know they need it. And I don't think it's a corporate social responsibility. I think it's an honor and a privilege, not responsibility to serve those who work for you and just and serve you. And this year we're going to pilot a program into the incarcerated system and also into senior living uh, communities because our seniors in America do not feel like they matter anymore. And I don't think that's how anyone should leave this life. And so that is, that is who we are. That, that little book 11 years ago created this thing that has touched millions and millions of lives. And now I just I'm just here to steer it along its way. One of the messages that I really took from the book that I just loved was that we don't need to start and make it overwhelming for ourselves in terms of helping the community. And, you know, we have to volunteer every single day of the week and devote all these hours to it. It's really just about making everybody we interact with 
feel special. And that could be whoever is serving us each day or a family member. And I'm, I'm wondering what your ideas are for just making the everyday person we encounter with feel special and make them feel like we care about them. Well, there's so many ways that, that, you know, we can impact each other, you know, I mean, and I think, first of all, we have to, you know, just, we have to embrace the fact that we are very powerful people, you know, our words, um, our, our thoughts, our actions, our tweets, uh, they affect people Mm -hmm. because our, our words are powerful. And, and so once we own that, then we have to realize that we have a choice to make. And do we want to use that force for good or do we want to use it to tear things down? And I think that's a decision that we all have to, to make for ourselves. And, and, and that's every single morning when we wake up, you know, what, what am I going to be today? What's my intention today? And, you know, if we had a world where 8 billion people woke up every morning with the idea and the intention that I'm going to serve somebody today, I think that we would have a vastly different world than we have right now. And, and that, by, that might be, you know, something that happens, a wave, a smile, um, a hug, opening a door. You know, everyone talks about random acts of kindness. Um, I don't think they're random at all. I think they're because someone chose to be kind, and they're, it's amazing. Um, or even, like I said earlier, taking the time to, to sit down with a friend or call somebody. Um, you know, relationships matter, and, and I'm not talking about ones on social media. I'm talking about real relationships matter and community matters. And we've we've slowly kind of bubbled ourselves off from what it means to be human and hiding behind these these little safe walls that we've built. And, and it's time for us to kind of get back out and to every day when you leave the house to to say hi to a neighbor. And, you know, we used to borrow flowers from, from each other. And eggs and things. And now it's like, don't you dare knock on my door, especially if it's dark out. So <laughs> it's we've, true. It's true. We've gotten away from what it means to be in community and relationship and to be human. And I think that's why so many of us are struggling. And, you know, isolation and loneliness now are becoming a, a bigger killer than heart disease. And it's time to pay attention to these things because we are we're off track. You urge people to establish a be present buddy in their lives. What's that about? <laughs> be present buddy. Yeah. You know, again, it's back to what I was just talking about, this idea of being present with each other. You know, we are going faster and faster and faster. And I'm not here to, to uh, you know, be the anti-millennial by any means, Laura. Uh, that, <laughs> but... But there is this, you know, you know, I'm 50, so I'm kind of somewhere stuck in between all of this. And um, as much as I do love technology, I also see how technology is, is hurting us. And, and being present with people. Um, I was in Salt Lake City recently and, at, at a restaurant, and the table next to me, there was like eight people there, and they had all their cell phones on the table, and they were stacked like in a... In a like, like um, a pyramid sort of thing on top of the table and all facing down. And I asked them, I said, why do you guys have your phones like that? And they said, we have a bet that the first person, for whatever reason, who grabs their phone to look at it has to pay for the dinner. I love and that. I just loved it. I'm like, thank you. Just sit there and be present with each other. Um, a, a friend, One of the stories in my new book is about uh, a gentleman I met. His name is David. 
and David is deaf. And I met him at Starbucks three years ago. I see him every morning. I saw him this morning as well. And David and I have developed a friendship. And he's deaf, and I'm not, and I don't know sign language. And David invited uh, us to his 75th birthday party, where I actually gave a speech, and there was a translator there for that. But I got to sit there and watch about 50 deaf men and women sit around a long banquet table and might possibly have the most social experience I've ever seen in my life. Because there were no phones, because they need their hands to talk, and they, it was constant engagement and being present with each other, and it was incredible. And so the idea of having a present buddy is, is just a tool in case we need it to actually be more present with each other. And this is that person that if you have something going on and you just really need somebody there that they've agreed to be that person for you and that you've agreed to be that person for them when you just need somebody to just be there to listen and to help you through something. Do you think that it's harder for people to love themselves or to love and appreciate others? Oh, I think it's much harder for people to love themselves. Uh, um, you know, I, I, I do this thing, actually. It's, it's kind of funny. When I'm doing uh, keynotes, this, that same You Matter wristband that I gave to those convicts that day, I actually give to audiences, whether that's 1,000 people, 5,000 people, or 20 people. And I give them this wristband, and I tell them how much they matter. And then I tell them that actually that wristband's not for them. And which always gets an interesting look on their face. <laughs> and I then I, t- I tell them they don't quite matter yet. Um, <laughs> and, and then I talk about this very thing that we talk about, being present, relationships, community. And I, I make them partner with somebody in the room. And to tell that person how much and why they matter to them and what they appreciate about that person. And it's not stuff like you get your expense report in on time. It's like something about that person's heart and essence I want you to, to, to talk about. And at the end of it, they, they do this with each other, and they put the wristbands on, and there's this beautiful moment. There's always tears and emotion. It's very warm and sweet. And then I ask this question. I say, was it easier for you to say these things about your partner, or was it easier for you to hear them say them about yourself? And every single time, and I've done this with thousands and thousands of people, they say it's much easier to say than to hear. And so then... Because we struggle with compliments, like someone says, hey, I like your jacket. And you're like, hey, I like your jacket, too. But then you realize you're not even wearing a jacket, but you have to get this attention (laughs) off yourself because it's so awkward, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, then we do this thing where I I hand out a piece of paper and I give them one minute to write down five things that they're good at. And I will tell you that a lot of people struggle to write down five things that they're good at. And, And then once they have their list, and some people might only get one. I've had someone not write a single thing down. Wow. Uh, it's, just, it's another story in the new book. And, and so then they have to stand up with their list and they give them another minute and they have to compliment themselves out loud on everything that they do well. And they have to say their first name before it. You know, so it's like, Jan, you know, you made a great dinner last night. Jan, you're a good mom. Jan, you're a great, you know, and you mm-hmm. have to go through this for a minute, take it, complimenting yourself out loud, like while the whole room is doing this together. And the idea of that is because I want people to be able to accept compliments. I want them to, to check their self-talk. 
um, to stop picking on themselves, to to stop this idea of always seeking perfection and just say, you know what, I'm already perfect. You know, in all my imperfections, I'm still perfect. And um, we have to learn how to to love ourselves more. And, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, I have to learn how to love myself before I can love somebody else. I don't necessarily believe that's the only case. I also believe that through loving other people, we can learn to love ourselves. Um, you know, for me, it was living a life that wasn't about me and serving others that I finally found myself. It wasn't that I found myself and then I went and did that. Um, but yes, we struggle with being kind to ourselves with receiving compliments. Uh, and I think, you know, ultimately that does ripple out and affect all of our relationships and how people can relate to us as well. You tell people to ask what it is that holds them back from being their true and authentic self. Tell us more about that and what you should do after you answer that. <laughs> I think there's a lot that holds us back from being our true authentic self, for sure. Uh, you know, and I think this starts, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I guess I am by a proxy after you know, 10 years of, of therapy, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it starts from when we're little and, and we come into this world and, in you know, I tell people like, you know, I was, I didn't choose to be born. It wasn't like one day Matt said, Hey mom, you know, get, get pregnant and have me. <laughs> but, but, but one day I showed up in this world and then we, I spent, I spent the rest of my life trying to make sense of it. And what is this thing called life? And what does it mean to be human? And at first, you know, when we're kids, we're just, you know, we, we sleep and we eat and we poop and, and everything's great. But as you go through, especially like those middle school years, I, I wish they could just get rid of seventh and eighth grade altogether. Me but too. You start, going, <laughs> you start going through these phases in your life and hormonal changes and, you know, then rejection and there's this competition to perform. And I'll tell you right now, in our schools say the pressure to compete and to succeed is so great. Uh, you even up there in the Bay area, like Pally high school, you know, right by Stanford, you know, they're having tremendous suicide issues up there. Uh, and because if those kids don't get into a Stanford, for example, then they're a failure. And so we go through this life and we get bumps and bruises. And I believe that we kind of slowly build these walls around us. And, and we, we start to guard our heart because we've been hurt before. And, and the more we guard, the, the less authentic we become. And you know, then we have, again, our phones and our social media where I can always play my highlight reels and be this vision of, of, that I want people to see of me. You know, and before we know it, we are isolated and we're depressed and we're not living our authentic self because we're afraid to put the truth out there. We're afraid to be heard again. We're afraid of judgment. Uh, you know, everybody is a critic these days, and and we're afraid to get judged by people. The sad part, though, to me is that if we can't live our authentic self, then then who are then who are we? You know, who, what I'm like it's like I'm playing a character of myself my whole life, which is so sad to me and. And also, there's no way to build real, genuine, authentic relationships if you're not being your authentic self, because that person is relating to somebody who's not actually you. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's a complete, you know, failure of, of being able to, 
to have healthy relationships in our life. And so we just have to have the courage to, to put ourselves out there, you know, and I know for me, I struggled too. Like I always felt like a square peg in a round hole. Like, you know, even when I was in kindergarten, the first day I wore yellow and green Pumas to my first day of kindergarten and everyone made fun of my shoes. I just, I never, I never really truly fit in, but I always wanted to fit in because I wanted to please people and I wanted to make people proud. But the more I just started understanding and embracing, like I'm just me and, and thank God I'm just me. And you know what? Thank God you're just you. And and thank God none of us are exactly the same. And we can all embrace each other instead of like seeing like we're just this one big island of misfit toys, like from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you know, Reindeer cartoon that, that if we just all be ourselves and, and celebrate that, then the world, a, a beautiful fabric of humanity um, in all the good, the bad, the ugly of that, but at least we get to see, you know, all that, co- all that color instead of us kind of just all wanting to be the same and to fit in and to live in these little bubbles on our own little private islands. And it gets to be just nothing like I would imagine, like the, what humanity is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many people who try and live their own lives and act like they're trying to be their own person, but at the same time, they're comparing themselves to other people who are at their stage of life and seem to have more, especially when you look at social media and somebody's getting a promotion, somebody's having a kid, somebody's getting married, and it's just really hard. What advice would you have to just have people accept themselves and and not worry about where everybody else is at? Yeah, you know, I get it. It, it is really hard, and, and I'm not an expert at it either. You know, I don't do a ton of social media, which is much Great of thing. a displeasure <laughs> of, of my publishers. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of people who think I should be building my brand more. But so I don't get on there very much, and I think it just comes down to people really need to get clear on like what does matter most to them. And if someone's opinion of you is what matters most to you, then, then you're not living from the right place and, and get clear on your priorities. If if family matters, if friendships matter, if volunteering matters, you know, if being healthy emotionally, physically, spiritually matters, just put your energy into those things that, that matter most to you. And when you start to live a life like that, you get so empowered and aligned and inspired. In a lot of ways, the other stuff that's happening around you kind of just becomes, you become deaf to it. Like it just doesn't even fit to you because your life is now about something much bigger and much more important than what someone might say to you uh, on social media or, or compare uh, to you. And, you know, I now celebrate my friends, you know, when I, but I, it wasn't like that from the beginning. When I finished business school and I decided to go into the music industry, my first couple of years were rough. I mean, I was, I was managing bands and my friends from business school were making $300,000 a year and buying houses in Pasadena and having kids and dogs. And, and, and here I was like booking shows at the Viper Room and the Whiskey and I'm like, did I just make the biggest mistake in my life? because they're thriving and I'm a disaster. But 
that's not the case at all. I actually made the perfect choice for my life because it's exactly the path I was meant to go down. And I know that now because I went down that path. And so I have nothing to question. And, and now I'm here today and I've written three books and I run a nonprofit organization that is inspiring people and changing lives. And I couldn't be more grateful um, and still excited for all these people as well. But I, uh, I had to stop comparing. And the other big thing too, that I will tell people as well is we're such control freaks um, that I had it in my mind that I knew exactly how my life was supposed to unfold from going to college, to going to grad school, to getting married, to having kids, to being a millionaire, to, you know, I had the whole story written mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it was an awesome story. <laughs> um, and you know what? It could not have unfolded any differently than how it been, than how I wrote it. Mm-hmm. And, and the sooner that I embraced that, accepted that, that there might be some bigger forces out there in the world. Of course, I still need to show up every day and, and be my best every day. But, you know, Matt, Matt, maybe you're not going to get married at 28 and have three kids by 31 and have be promoted by 30. You know, this is a story I had for my life. I ended up getting married at 43. And wow. my story told me I was getting married at 28. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of times that's what can help you stop comparing too. just trust that there is a story for your life that might not look like anyone else's life or any of your peers that, and, and just be excited about what that journey is going to look like. Matt, you know, our show is called nobody told me, and we always ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So what, what is it that nobody told you about life or the, the things that are important to life or learning to love who you really are that you kind of wish someone had, told you about and it might have made it a little easier for you by the way i love the name of your podcast oh and thank I, you i think it, i think it's so good and and you know in the new book in the big in the beginning of it i talk about that um and I, and I think i'm describing a narrative that maybe someone might have going through their mind if they're struggling right um you know, and Laura, I read a little bit about your bio as well, and it seems that maybe you dealt with a little bit of this too, and and I appreciate you sharing that authentically mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, nobody ever told me that life might get hard. Mm-hmm. No one ever said No one ever said it. Um, and, you know, I'm so grateful for my family. You know, we live in a, I guess, middle upper class, upper middle class, you know, family in Modesto, California is where I grew up. And, and my dad worked hard for Gallo wine. He did travel a lot for work, but, but again, you know, we were never, we were never for a lack, you know, we certainly weren't the biggest house in Modesto, but we also were never lacking. And I think that maybe, um, I don't want to say that I was over coddled because that's, that has the judging what my parents did. And I think that they're the most incredible parents in the world, but I don't think I was fully understanding of what this all life could look like. And I don't know that there's a really a way that you could even explain that to somebody because life is so dynamic. Uh, but I, 
I didn't know about a lot of things that I wish I had known about. And I also, and maybe this is just being a guy, I don't know, but like if you fall down, just get back up, mm-hmm. you know, get, get back on the horse sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? I don't know that that's necessarily the best advice all the time. I think it's like, you know what? Feel it first, you know, and it's not, it might not feel good, you know, but, but, get to know that feeling and the emotions of it and process it and then get back on the horse, you know, but, but don't just kind of shrug stuff off. Um, again, that might be more of a male thing than a female thing, but I don't think that I was, I, I know was told also it's really how to process my emotions. And so life is going to get hard, but you still have to process it in a healthy way. And, and before you kind of move forward, I think those are the biggest things for me. Oh, I love that. And we really want people to check out the book because it has a permanent place on my bookshelf. It's just amazing. So how can people learn more about that and how can they connect with you? Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, the new book, you know, You Matter, Let Me Love Who You Really Are. It's on, it's everywhere books are sold and it just came out last week. And I'm so excited. Um you know, obviously the, the nonprofit, everymondaymatters.org. Um, I have a website, matthewimmersion.com. Um, we also launched a new website in conjunction with the book, which is imatterbecause.com. And the whole goal of the book is to help the reader at the end of the book to be able to answer the question that if someone came up to you and said, why do you matter? That they can answer that question. So there's this kind of wrap-up activity where there's a statement that says, my name is and I matter because, and I ask the reader to fill in those blanks. And on imatterbecause.com, they can post their picture and their statement. And then we're creating this fabric of humanity who have all shared their I matter because statements. And I love that. Yeah, it's really powerful. And, um, and the last thing I want to say, too, about this new book uh, is probably the reason why I'm so excited about it is that I believe that all of our stories matter. And, of course, you know, my story gets a lot of attention, you know, with with the nonprofit and with the books. And, you know, I do a Today Show and, these, you know, all this kind of stuff. And But at the end of the day, what I love so much about this new book is that for the first time, I got to share the stories of so many incredible people that I've met along this journey. And I believe their stories are going to touch people. They're going to make you laugh, make you cry. Um, But it's just really beautiful for me to kind of share that limelight also with other people I've met along this journey and the lessons that they've taught me. And I think that the lessons that they'll also teach, you know, the reader of the book is there's some pretty powerful stuff, uh, and stories that, that I think the readers are going to really enjoy. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. We, we love the book. Absolutely love it. And thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Matt, so much for joining us. This has been really in, enlightening and insightful and a lot of fun. Thank you so much, you too, and uh, keep it going. And um, I'm honored to be a part of your podcast, so thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. Again, our thanks to Matthew Emersian, whose latest book is called You Matter, Learning to Love Who You Really Are. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us. 